0: One of the advantages of freedom of speech is that there are very few words or utterances that a society which practices such freedom are considered universally socially unacceptable. That is, because Americans are mostly free to say what they want, there are very few words we all agree we can't say. Yes, obviously, situation and context are factors in which words are acceptable and which ones aren't, but if you get right down to it, there just aren't that many Which have power to make even the strongest among us pause i find it very encouraging that one such utterance one such accusation really still has the power to stun calling someone a thief or a cheater doesn't necessarily have stopping power nor does calling someone a liar or a con artist i could envision many people who would and who have shrugged those accusations off now The sentence I'm thinking of, the one that still seems to have tremendous power, is you're a racist. In many ways, it's quite refreshing that this accusation still contains power. Virtually everyone who is the target of that sentence would immediately deny or defend against it. Curiously enough, one metric of wokeness might be the willingness of a white person, especially, to take that label on board, but let's let that go for now. There are many people almost all of them to the right side of the American political spectrum, who bleat that liberals and persons of color play the race card too often. The implied metaphor that social discourse and politics is akin to a card game with a winner and loser and which has no authenticity in it is fascinating all by itself, but let's let that go as well. Let's go back to my point. Lots of folks, white conservatives mostly, think that, Everything's racist. The complaint seeks to deprive the word of power and thus to deny the widespread existence of the phenomenon. You libs say everything's racist, goes the cry, when in reality nothing or very little actually is, goes the mostly unspoken follow-up. So what are we going to do about this? Well, I'm glad you asked. We're going to define racism. I know, I know. Well, let's just look it up, huh? Okay, let's do that. Let's start there. See if Webster can give us the answer, and I can just use the rest of this podcast, breaking down the lyrics of the Major General song from Pirates of Penzance. So here we go. Merriam-Webster says racism, quote, is a belief that race is the primary determinant of human traits and capacities and that racial differences produce an inherent superiority of a particular race. So then, a person is racist if he or she believes that your race is the main thing that makes you who you are and that one race is better than all the others. So a racist would believe that, say, black folks are good at basketball, for example, by virtue of being black. That covers the first part of the definition. A racist would also believe that black folks are just not as good as, say, white folks. Does that satisfy you? Are you ready for the breakdown of a light opera song from 1879? I mean, if we go by the dictionary, then we would all be satisfied that the definition of, say, love is strong affection for another arising out of kinship or personal ties. Well, that does it for love, yes? No need for poems, plays, movies, songs, so on. I think you see my point. Just as the dictionary definition of love is wholly inadequate to cover the full meaning of the word, so is it inadequate when it comes to racism. I mean, if a white person were to say, I don't want any black people living in my neighborhood, I want only whites, and then took steps to keep black people out, we would naturally apply the label racist to that white person. Yet, the utterance didn't explicitly ascribe any characteristics to those self-same black people, nor did it overtly claim superiority of one race over the other. But would anyone seriously defend the assertion that the person was not racist? Even though it was not said explicitly, it's quite obvious that the white homeowner was claiming that all blacks shared some undesirable quality that made them unworthy of being neighbors. The utterance wasn't, I don't want Charles to live next to me, but I don't want blacks, as if all blacks shared the same quality. Furthermore, Though it was not explicitly stated, it is obvious that the hypothetical white homeowner feels blacks are inferior in some undefined way. They all share some quality that makes them bad neighbors, worse than white ones. So from this, we can see that for someone to be racist, he or she does not need to explicitly say, I think all blacks are criminals or the like. Racism can be implicit. I think that's a fair statement. Let's move on to intent. Does a racist have to see him or herself as so? In other words, can a person be racist and not know it? Or, perhaps more accurately, be racist and not think that they are? If I were to say, I love watching black people dance because they have such rhythm, then am I being racist? Well, I'm certainly ascribing a talent to a group of people due to their race, but you're probably thinking, but it was a compliment. How can praise be racist? If I say Asians are good at math, how is that racist? Well, aside from the fact that I connected an ability to a race, as if being born black granted a human being rhythm, notice that I also did something called reductionism. Think for a moment. When you describe someone else's talent, aren't you implying that they possess no other ones? Or at the very least, you're implying that the talent you're describing is the primary one possessed by the person in question. If I said, Jenny is a good artist, don't you assume that she's not better at math? Sure, it's possible she could be, but we have an unspoken tendency to place limits on the amount of talents and abilities someone else possesses. If I say blacks have rhythm, the implication is that this is their primary talent, as opposed to, say, mental ability or honesty or something. I'm not going to list them all, but if you take a moment to think of the racial stereotypes, even the so-called positive ones – Asians are good at math, blacks have rhythm, Jews are good with money, etc. – that there there aren't common stereotypes for white folks. Or if there are, it has to do with qualities they do not possess – white men can't dance, for example – Though this sounds like a racial slur, you'll notice that by denying equality to whites, the implication is that white men have other, better qualities. So it's quite possible to be racist without explicit intent, or to be racist by paying what appears to be a compliment. Okay, what about using the wrong term? I hear this all the time from my right-sided friends. If I say Mexican instead of Hispanic, then I'm called a racist. First of all, I doubt very much that this happens. I doubt very much that a person casually mentioning to his friend, I have a Mexican from Guatemala, would be accused of racism. Who are these packs of liberals wandering around with sticky labels shouting racist at every turn? Well, you'd be accused of stupidity, sure. It reminds me of the little words at the bottom of the screen. Fox and Friends describing President Trump's decision to cut aid to El Salvador. Guatemala and Honduras. They described it as cutting aid to three Mexican countries. Well, that's stupid. Or if you refer to a person as Chinese when you merely meant Asian or said colored to refer to a black person, even in this podcast, I've had to make the decision to use black as opposed to African-American, which by itself could be controversial. Is all that racist? Well, referring to a Central American person as Mexican or referring to three Central American countries as Mexican countries would surely seem to be grouping people together inaccurately, yes? Aside from an honest mistake of identification, I thought Liam was Irish, but it turns out he's Welsh. These groupings imply strongly that there are no functional differences between a Mexican and an El Salvadorian. Notice, too, we don't tend to mix up French with, say, Dutch, or Canadian with American. Imagine a white conservative traveling abroad, which that's hard enough to imagine, but imagine it anyway, and then being labeled mistakenly as Canadian. Would this American tourist accept that misnomer, or would he proudly puff out his chest and declare, American? I think you see the point. Anyway, I'd say it is indeed racist to deny or find insignificant the differences between race and nationality, to deny a group of people their identity because you can't be bothered to see it. That still fits into our Merriam-Webster definition, it seems to me. What about using an outdated term, calling someone Oriental instead of Asian? Is that racist? Well, in that case, realize that Orient means to the East, which only has meaning if the center of the world is Europe. People in Japan aren't wandering around saying, Man, we're so far East. As far as Japan is concerned, California is to the East. So yes, the term Oriental is racist, as in all the people east of the center of the world. It describes a lesser position to them, not living in the center of the world. How about colored for black? Why is that racist while person of color isn't? Or black itself, is that racist? Let me tell a quick story about that. When I first met one of my assistant football coaches, I asked him, Hey, by the way, if I need to refer to you by race, how would you prefer I do so? Do you prefer black or African-American? He said, black. And that ended that. Obviously, I'm not in any way saying he spoke for everyone of his race, nor that that's the reason I'm using it here in this podcast, but I, I simply asked him. That seems to be an elegant solution to a lot of the nomenclature problems. not sure how to refer to someone as far as race is concerned. Ask. Well, how come some people get to use the N-word while whites aren't allowed to? What's up with that? Goes the common refrain. First of all, let's get this out of the way. Even if I were to concede that this is happening, whites are being denied a right blacks enjoy, which I don't, let's examine how much of an infringement this really is. One word. We're asking whites not to say one single word. Sure seems like that's not being unreasonable. Second, I think the complaint from white conservatives misses the subtlety and complexity of the issue. As we've seen, words sometimes have tremendous power. Go back to your Bible, John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, or Genesis 1.3. And God said, let there be light. Or myths involving witches and wizards. They have magic incantations, magic words that when spoken can accomplish miracles. We know words have power. And the N-word, notice that I can't even say it here while discussing it dispassionately, so powerful is that word, has tremendous power. But just as words have power, so is that power relative to the user. If I'm at home and my wife asks, hey, where's Katie today? And I say, she's out. That's one thing. If I'm on the softball diamond and a close play at home will determine the outcome of the game and I bellow, she's out. That's something else entirely. Same word, same sentence, but my position and the context of it change its power considerably. So does it go with the N-word. Different people in different contexts change the power of the word. In many instances, black folks use the word commonly to try and deprive it of the power to hurt, to take command and control of the word so that it cannot be used as a pejorative. Or one could argue that since the word is meant to demean and deprive black folks of their humanity to remind them of a time when they were considered property, the use of the word among black folks is a term of solidarity, a way of recapturing identity by flinging the word back into the faces of those who would seek to oppress them. Well, I'm not going to claim complete understanding of the use of the word among different communities, but I think it's now clear that one, the word contains enormous power, two, the word has the capacity to hurt and hurt deeply, and three, that the word is intended to harm, excuse me, those the word is intended to harm, have a special dispensation when it comes to its use. At least we can agree on that. Oh, and that asking white folks to avoid use of the word doesn't really seem to be a huge imposition. Let's now go to the last instance, one which has been in the news of late. What about telling a group of four congresspersons, all of whom are women of color, to go back where they came from? The tweet chain made it clear that he was speaking of countries. Quote, So interesting to see progressive Democrat congresswomen who originally came from countries whose governments are a complete and total catastrophe... To, then why don't they go back and help fix the totally broken and crime-infested places from which they came? So he means country. Telling four women of color to go back to the countries from which they came. That was the tweet. And no amount of chop logic will change that. So let's get that out of the way. To be clear, three of the congresswomen were born in the United States. So the country they came from would be this one. The fourth one. Congressman Ilhan Omar is a Somali refugee who immigrated to the United States when she was 10. She and her family were granted permanent asylum three years later. She's now a naturalized American citizen. She's lived in the United States for 27 years. Was that racist? Well, let's see. 75% of the people he was attacking were born in the U.S., and yet he said they should go back to the countries where they came from. Is it unreasonable to assume that he was grouping them together because they were persons of color? Is it unreasonable to assume he felt that as persons of color they did not belong in the U.S.? Those defending his words usually take the tack of he didn't say they had to leave or he didn't say they were bad people or something along those lines. In other words, since Trump wasn't explicitly racist in his words, he couldn't have been so. I think we've covered that. If I swat my wife on the behind said hey sweet cakes why not get your ass in the kitchen make me dinner before you clean the house and am am i being sexist well i didn't explicitly say i think you are less of a person than i am since you are a woman but isn't the message nevertheless clear i come down to two choices Either people honestly do not see Trump's words and reactions as racist or people do see it but want to find refuge in his lack of explicitness or want to chop logic and words until nothing means anything anymore. In the latter case, that's being disingenuous and I can't be bothered with that. In the former, though, I actually can understand that. I do think that virtually no one wants to be seen as racist. I furthermore think that virtually no one thinks of him or herself as racist. If you're not actively burning a cross on someone's lawn, then you're not racist. If you're not sporting a t-shirt which says, I hate blacks, then you're not racist. I think many people truly believe this. It's not easy to confront one's shortcomings, and racism is a particularly awful one. It's also difficult to find faults in people one admires or supports, and if a Trump supporter believed he was racist, then any support of such a person would naturally speak unwell of that supporter. Or, to put it another way, People don't want to believe they're racist and will twist themselves into all kinds of knots to avoid thinking that. Likewise, people who have sunk parts of their own identity into Trump are unwilling to see him as racist because of what it would mean for themselves. My wife and I keep asking each other, what would Trump need to do to lose his supporters? And now I think that might be the wrong question. We should ask, what would a supporter need to do to see Trump as he truly is and thus stop supporting him. After the chance of send her back while the president watched, I don't know the answer to that question, but at least know where the answer lies. And it's not with President Trump. It's with America. Samuel Clemens, the writer you know of as Mark Twain, knew 134 years ago that the issue of race, and therefore of racism, had to be confronted If America was ever going to be able to atone for the sin of slavery, we cannot progress as a nation, as a people, if we're not able to take a deep look at ourselves and recognize our past wrongs. We will never be the America we can be, nor will we fulfill the promise of our ideals if we cannot face ourselves and our wrongs. Atonement is not easy. It requires first an admission of guilt, an admission of sin, an admission of crime requires more than that. It requires correction, amends, reparation. It requires that in addition to acknowledging our wrongs, we not only take steps to avoid them in the future, but to try and correct the damage done. We look in three directions when we atone. To the present, to the future, and to the past. The very word, atone, is simply a combination of the two words at one. When we recognize our wrongs, pledge not to commit them again, and work to undo the damage they have caused, we can truly be at one. The first step then is to recognize racism in ourselves and in those we support. If we can't even do that much, then we have no hope of healing our self-inflicted wounds.